Thank you so much for sticking with us here on Caregiver SOS On Air. We turn to Take 10 with Dr. Jamie Heisman, a nationally known expert on caregiving and addictions, and Carol Zerniel, our co-host on Caregiver SOS On Air. A topic, Carol, that uh, you'd come up with is how to foster independence and activities on the part of your care recipient? Well, what I was wondering is what is the role of the caregiver? So oftentimes, particularly when we're dealing with the elderly that is different than working with people with disabilities, is that we take care of people. And sometimes we're taking care of people. We're not really thinking about maintaining independence. Sometimes we can stray into the taking care of people even when they can do things themselves. So I was wondering, you know, as caregivers, where do we have our antenna? You know, what is our role in maintaining or fostering independence, Jamie? You know, Carol, last week we spoke about the difference of rearing a child and being a caregiver, and I so believe that the answer is found there. Um, I think the all religions, whether it's Judaism, Christianity, Muslim, Hindu, everyone has as its end game and end result is to let go. And we seem to be able to do that when we're raising a child, right? So why is it so different than when we're a caregiver of somebody? Why is we cannot let go? Do we not trust their response? Do we think that we have all the responses and we can control them? You know, at the end of the day, what we tend to do is we enable and we intend to overcompensate, and we do so much for our loved one that they learn nothing, and they show up in their lives very seldomly, and the caregiver works twice as hard and ends up totally burned out. So enabling, Ron and I were discussing earlier, it seems like a negative word. Well, it is and it's not. I mean, um, it has been associated with codependency, right? So enabling behavior is enabling your loved one to drink more, never get help, uh, you know, doing things for them, and not letting them face how the, this is the best way. Enabling is not allowing the other person to face the consequences of their choices. That's really the deal. Now, if somebody is cognitively truly, truly impacted and, and they're down the road in terms of dementia or Alzheimer's, I get it. I get it. There's so much that we possibly need to do for them. It's just not fair. They're not on a level playing field. But that's not the case in most caregiving situations. Most caregiving situations, a loved one really wants to be part of the entire picture. I believe in enabling, we enable somebody to do things for them. We're robbing them of the opportunity of growth, development, and getting comfortable, if you will, on their journey, whether it is a disease or not. We also rob them of self-esteem when we're enabling. So, and that, you know, I think that last piece real, probably would resonate with a lot of care recipients that, you know, they do feel like they're a burden. They don't, you know, they don't want to be taken care of. They want to have uh, something that they can do. And so figuring out what it is they can contribute to the day, uh, whether it is uh, washing their own face, you know, because their arms work all right. Maybe they have trouble getting in and out of the tub. Maybe they can soap up um, to, you know, picking between a couple of things for dinner, making them feel like that they've had a, a, a choice in how, what they're going to be eating. It can be small things, um, but that give them a feeling of accomplishment. It's exactly that. Accomplishment is what we all want. I was told once that we want to be worthwhile more than we want to eat. Now, that's an incredibly funny sort of comparison. But feeling worthwhile in our lives, no matter what happens, to me is, is the goal. It's the goal of integrity. So when we actually rob or enable, let's say, somebody from not learning, we are totally robbing them from, from this growth process, this self-esteem process. I believe that a care receiver or a loved one 
and a caregiver should and can find a mutual sort of reciprocal relationship where they're both working equally as hard. And I think anytime one person works harder than the other, once again, that's where burnout begins. So what would be the warning signs? You know, what's going to set off the alarm that we're overreaching as caregivers? Well, I think you see it actually in other people. I think you brought it up several different times on this show. When, uh, let's say, we go with a loved one to a doctor, Carol, and then all of a sudden this doctor sees the caregiver and just speaks directly to the caregiver, right? <laughs> Marginalizes the care receiver, the, uh, the person in the room, as if they don't even exist. So in, in some fashion, the doctor starts it really... It starts that enabling piece there. Why on earth would they be talking to the loved one when the historian is right in front of them? And for somebody to tell their own story, at least clinically, that's a beautiful thing. That's usually a thing, even if it's not negative. If it's negative news, it's it's actually things within our control. So when you start seeing somebody take over for somebody else, whether it's a doctor, whether it's a friend, somebody asks a question and somebody else answers it, those are behaviors that to avoid. That's a good tip. And when you think about it, you okay? Yes, I'm sorry. I have no cough button on this phone. <laughs> no, you don't. As I was thinking about a show we did many, many months ago, a woman whose husband was in an Alzheimer's unit in a nursing home, and she moved in with him in that unit and became a real gadfly. They ultimately changed the rules, and you couldn't stay there if you didn't have dementia. But but she said that one of the things that troubled her, for example, on taco night, they just gave him a, you know, a tortilla and, and, and meat, none of the fixins. And, and their point was, well, it doesn't matter. They don't even know. What I hear you saying is give them those choices. Give them all the fixings. Absolutely. And why not? I mean, let's, let's look of at course, it Of course, why not? Why not? I mean, what are we actually doing here? What are we protecting? Are we protecting the, the, the maintenance group, the maid that comes in that cleans up afterwards? This, the reality of life is the reality of life. And for us to, to change that reality, again, is back to this enabling. And again, when we talk about enabling, it's codependency. And I just really want to say that people who cannot allow other people learn their own lessons are going to be codependent. Here, let me give you a real quick one. I know we have a very short period of time. But when I answer... Uh, a patient, when they call me in crisis, they're always expecting me to help them facilitate them to get to the next place, right? Well, there's some times when actually I don't answer the call. I don't know why. Maybe I'm in a movie or maybe my phone's being charged. And I'll call them the <laughs> oh, next wow, day. Wow, you, you have I, a life outside of – I thought you were just waiting for, like, the phone to ring all the time. <laughs> no, but here's the beauty. I'll call them the next day and say, you know, I didn't answer your call. And you know what they'll tell me? They'll tell me that they did something that – I thought it was fantastic. That was, I would have never suggested, but they learned without me trying to fix it. They solved so the problem I think people themselves. People fill in the silence well enough, and our codependency often doesn't allow us to do that. Hmm. Well, so let me flip things over. Um, uh, we're fostering independence. How? What happens when we try to push too hard? When we're asking people to be more independent than they can be? You know, this is a great question, Carol, and this is where I ask people to engage a geriatric care manager or a social worker. We really don't know what the capability is of that person at that particular period of time. After an assessment or evaluation with a physician or, or with a um, healthcare professional, we should sit down and say, what can be expected of our loved one? And hopefully the person can also be there to participate in that discussion. I think we should really level set because expectations are seeds of resentment. We should definitely level set with a physician or an allied health professional or a carer 
somehow of what we both can expect to do now. Maybe it won't be the same a month from now, but what we can do now. So a third party is what I would suggest. That's a good point. He's Dr. Jamie Heisman. She's Carol Zerniel. I'm Ron Aaron. You're listening to Take 10 on Caregiver SOS on Air on 9.30 a.m., The Answer. So pushing someone towards more independence than they can really have might look like you might somebody's really tired they're they're frustrated they're anxious yeah uh, they don't want to make decisions or they can't make decisions uh, there might be some behavioral indications that we push too hard is what i would add to that there may be and this is the beauty of again groups for both parties by the way for the caregiver and the care receiver i really believe people will level set and find exactly where they should be when they're with their peers. And if you have a strong connection to somebody in that support group, let's say there's early Alzheimer's support group or let's say Al-Anon, you'll find out what you can do, what's expected, what's pushing too hard, and what's not pushing enough. Well, I think that, you know, my takeaway from all this would be it's good to ask that question. Every once in a while, kind of step back, take the temperature, or see which way the wind is blowing. Uh, The relationship between you as the caregiver and the care recipient you know, am I supporting them and helping promote them to be as independent as possible? Am I smothering them? Am I pushing them too hard? Uh, and just kind of take that temperature every once in a while. I think that's so correct. And I think if you ask that person who you're taking care of that question, that's wonderful. But also, maybe the person is not feeling comfortable in responding. This is where I think getting a professional engaged and having this conversation as a family is critical. Don't forget this enabling works, unfortunately, the same negative way with family members who are across the country who you actually are doing things for, who may want to do things on their own as well. Got to stop you right there, Dr. Jamie. Thank you very much. Take 10 on Caregiver SOS On Air. Thank you to Dr. Jamie Heisman and to Carol Zerniel. I'm Ron Aaron. We will talk with you again soon on 930 AM, The Answer.